and I read a devotional that said like something along the lines of like if I showed you everything you couldn't even handle it mm. and so time time is a gift and his timing is that gift that he slowly revealed to us what we needed as we needed it rather than just like onslaughting us with the whole thing right at the beginning so as hard as it was it was just like just trust me with this and then he provided at that time i was writing some things down and i just was reviewing them today and talking about the community i remember um a lot of this was we were up putting updates on Facebook and there were people that were not part of the believing community and they would say hugs or thoughts or you know things goodbye goodbye and I remember Pam coming to me and I wrote this down and basically saying like a a hug or a thought or these things they just postpone the agony what we need is prayer and Mm -hmm. um, it was when when people prayed for us, when they wrote out prayers to us, when they prayed verbally with us, that is when we felt comforted like no other. Wow. Um, and, and when we, you know, we, yeah, people can hug you. They, they can tell you they're thinking about you, but that's nothing compared to praying for somebody mm. um, and bringing that to Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the His Hill Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Doherty. Today's episode is part of a two-part series with alumni Joe and Pam Harms. Last week we discussed how they came to know Christ and how they came to understand that He is more than just the way out of hell and into heaven, but Jesus is also their very life here and now. If you haven't listened to episode one, please do so as it will help you better understand how they were able to deal with the trial that they and their daughter had to walk through with regards to her health. So now, here is the rest of our visit with Joe and Pam. All right, we're both in the room here on speakerphone now. Okay. Hi, Pam. Welcome back. Hello. Long time no see. Yeah. Okay, so this is why we've done it this way. Uh, we we talked to Pam first, and then Joe, because they have children, and uh, they're they're taking they're taking uh, they're tag teaming it. So one took care of the kids while we talked to Pam, and then Pam took care of the kids while we talked to Joe. So I'm assuming now, what are you doing with the kids now? They are watching a cartoon, and the contingency was if there is blood, choking, or uh, there was a third thing. Then you can come upstairs. Otherwise, do not interrupt. So I think we should be good. That's great. Okay. Uh, how yeah. many kids do you have? We have three children. Kinley is eight. Violet is six and a bit. And Beckham is three and a half. Okay. That's awesome. And the pictures that I you have. Well, I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, I said we should have asked Joe. Yeah, Joe, how old are our kids? <laughs> Could you have done it, Joe? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> exactly what she said. That's all there. <laughs> so she was correct. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I was going to say the reason that we did our interview separately was because you were going to go back and like 
match up and see if we like said similar things maybe too. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a dating game or a marriage game, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. How well do you know each other? Yeah, I I didn't think of that. That would have been fun to do. Um, okay. So for a minute though, Pam, you were wrong about when, uh, Joe went to to his hill, but then he thought about it. You were actually, you were right. He, he came in 05 the first time, but then came back in 07. So you, yeah, yeah, so you've got it. Um, he actually, he admitted that I was right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. We have it recorded too. I was going to say, and it's recorded, so I'm going to keep a copy of that forever. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, so you've got you've got the three kids, and uh, both of you, I talked with both of you about, about marriage and about, you know, about your children and being parents, and, uh, you know, you both have said that the, the Lord has, um, has used, you know, both marriage and being parents in your life to, to draw you to himself. And, and you've seen your insufficiency in being married and being parents uh, and, and therefore your need for Jesus. And I, and I you know, that's, it's really encouraging to hear, you know, in, in, a, in a day and age when, you know, Christian marriages are, are just as, you know, proving to be just as vulnerable and weak as non-Christian uh, marriages and families and to hear that you know you as a couple are seeing that you know we we do need Jesus and and to show that you're dependent upon him uh, is encouraging and i think you know what we're going to talk about now is uh is is something where uh you've you've seen that you've really seen this in a in a big way where you know Christ is uh, he's more than a ticket to heaven, but he's really your life, and he, he's he's intimately involved in you know everything that goes on uh, in our marriages and with our children, and in particular, uh, we're going to talk about your your middle child, your daughter Violet, um, and she. Uh, how old is she now? So she's six and a half. Okay, six and a half. Wow, she's still very young. And uh, but you've really had to go through uh, quite a uh, go down quite a road with her um, already in her life. Do you want to just kind of give us some of the background in this? Um. So when she was about forty months, so just over three. Um, I was tucking her to bed one night and I noticed that she had a bit of a pink reflection in her pupils. So in the black portion of your eyes. Mm. And, um, so through that, um, we were taken on a cancer journey. Um, that's kind of like the cold notes version, but yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That so, was, okay. Did, were you, were you suspicious of that right away? No. So, you know, of course, I am a nurse, but I did Google and cancer never came up in the search. Mm. And, you know, I think that was like a provision from God because, um, of course, it's the middle of the night and there's nothing that I could really do. I just, I came back to the bedroom and I don't even know if Joe really was awake. Our, we also had a son who was like four months old at the time. So um, we were pretty tired and sleep deprived. And 
I, I tucked Violet in. I came back into the bedroom and I said to Joe, like, Joe, there's something wrong with Violet's eye. I don't know what it is, but it's not good. Um, and yeah, of course I jump on Google and I'm looking and, you know, nothing's coming up that's making me think yeah, this is what it is. And so we did have to see the eye doctor the next day who, um, confirmed that she had a detached retina. So that was the pink reflection mm. that we were seeing. And so from there, you know, then they kind of sent us to who we needed to. And so, um, they can't really diagnose that until um you have an MRI and because she was uh so little they have to coordinate a day where they have a pediatric um anesthesiologist and they kind of try to group a bunch in a day so it was actually a well they told us they didn't know when it was going to be and I think that was like probably the hardest Mm. challenge was just like waiting um, and being like, there's something wrong with our daughter. We don't know exactly. Although I think at that point, they kind of already alluded to a tumor because, you know, it's strange for a three-year-old who's never had a head trauma to have a detached retina. Um, so they never, of course, they were very cautious about saying anything, but yeah, waiting for that MRI, that was a really hard, it turned out it was about five days. Um, but you know, that time was, that was a really needed time. Um, you want to say something? Well, I was just going to say in in the uncertainty, looking back, yes, it was five days, but in the uncertainty, it seems so long. You're not knowing when this is coming and you're just waiting for the expected time. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Uh, was now was Violet in any pain at this time? No, nope, there was absolutely no indication that anything was the matter. She didn't even have any, like you know, she didn't tip her head to the side, kind of looking through her eye oddly. Um, there was absolutely no indication except for seeing that pink reflection. Okay. So what? Uh, the, the, what did they do after the five days? Then when you when you got the report. So, um, once they said that we would be booked for that MRI, that was basically what they needed in order to send us out of the province for treatment. So um, at this point, they were pretty certain it was a tumor, and so. Um, and, you know, it's funny because thinking back, I don't ever remember them saying, like, retinoblastoma, really. Um, and yet the Toronto team, that's their specialty, that's where they're kind of housed at Toronto Sick Kids. And so in order to be treated there, um, we had to have a diagnosis or a tentative diagnosis. So that's basically what the MRI um, was for. And then once once we had that, Basically, it was a matter of like three, three days. Like that was a thir- that was a Thursday, and we were flying to Toronto on the Monday. Wow! Um, it's a very fast, it's a very aggressive cancer. Once once it starts to spread, it spreads very quickly, and obviously the proximity of the eye to the brain and the optic nerve, um, it. it it typically either goes to the brain or it crosses to the other eye. So it's kind of, um, it's an urgent 
treatment that needs to be done. So, yeah, it's strange that the week previous felt so slow because then everything else was like on um, fast forward. It it all felt like, oh, my goodness. okay, this is crazy. And what did. um, okay, so you got to Toronto and what did they end up having to do? So they presented us with, um, once they kind of did all their assessments of their own by their um, ophthalmologist, um, they basically said she's a classic presentation of retinal blastoma. um, And they presented us um, with a surgery date. um, But what they wanted to do first was they have like really high tech machines that, um, take five different pictures. And so they said, we do, we do want to just kind of get in there and double check and confirm. And then we'll let you know kind of from there um, as far as what your options are. So we went into this surgery, not even really knowing a hundred percent what was going to happen. So they, they had her sedated and then they came and presented us with the option of chemotherapy um, or it's called a nucleation. So the removal of the eye. Mm. Um, and I think that was, I think we were shocked because I don't think we were expecting a choice. We, in all of our discussions, it was like, if they find retinoblastoma to be what she has, like eye removal is the best option. So I think that was really hard for us actually to, to almost have to like make the decision. Mm. Um, I remember I remember saying, like, can, to the asking the doctor, can't you just tell us? Like, they said, well, it's, it's too close. You know, you could go with chemotherapy, and and she may have vision again in that eye. Um, we can't guarantee that, and the chances are small. But we do have to give you the option of chemotherapy because there is a chance we will do this, and she may have a little bit of vision again. And so I remember just telling Pam, like, I, I wish they didn't give us that decision. Just mm. tell us either we need to remove it. It's that bad. I, I did not want to make that decision for her. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So what was she like during all Did she realize that something's not right? I mean, she's pretty young at this time. I don't think so. I mean, she was quite anxious at this point. She'd been sedated a few times and that wasn't really a pleasant experience. Um, so, I, I, you know, I mean, she kind of was her same self, but in a different place. And I mean, yeah, it, it's interesting. She'll tell us things now about being there. Um, so I know that she knows like, something was going on, but I don't think she really understood. Okay. And I, I remember talking about that too with Pam at the time. I remember when, before she was sedated, we were with um, an optometrist and, and he put a paddle over her one eye and asked her to give him a high five and she could easily do that. And then he put it over the other eye and you could just see her feeling around and like, that was the first time that I realized she has no vision in that eye. Mm. Um, but for her, that was, it wasn't new. That was her normal already. We just didn't realize that, that what was, that's what was going on. But it really wasn't any different to her than what she had been used to for the past however long. Okay. 
So they they took they had to take her eye, um, and uh-huh. then and then what 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 do they do for her after that? So um, during the surgery, they remove the eye. They place um, it's actually a glorified marble um, into the socket. So some people think that it's like this big hollow cavern, um, and it's not. They um, they sew a marble in behind there to give the prosthetic something to kind of cup onto. Okay. Um, and so they, during that surgery, they give her basically just a stock eye. So um, blue or brown, she has blue eyes, so they give her a blue eye. And then it's a six-week waiting period um, before she heals. Because there's quite a bit of swelling, or there can be. Hers actually wasn't that bad. Um but, uh, and then six weeks later, there's, it's called an ocularist and they hand paint an eye and, um, it just, it's actually the most fascinating profession that probably mm. nobody knows about unless you need that. Wow. And they're just, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's a mix of like technical skills, but then the artistry that's required, um, you know, her eye is so unique um, and it, it's just absolutely amazing what the finished product is. Wow. That does sound interesting. And did she, you yeah. know, did she adjust to this well? So she had her eye removed on a Thursday and Saturday morning, she was running around Toronto chasing pigeons. <laughs> and she actually told me just the other day, she, that was the best time of her life oh, and wow. she wishes she could go back. And that, like, she reflects on that so fondly that she just wants to go back and chase pigeons. Wow. Um, but like Joe said, she doesn't, after the surgery, she saw no differently than she did before because right. her brain just automatically, like, rewired. So for us, that was just, like, it was such a rainbow in the sky, so to speak, that it was like, God, we know that this was such a hard thing to go through, but you've, you've provided again that she's not been hindered. She's a thriving child, and we knew we knew going forward that he had her in the palm of his hand, and that you know he has such big things for her. Um, and so, even though it was kind of like this grieving, this loss of her—I call it her Jesus eye, her eye she was born with—but now he's gifted her a brand new eye, just kind of like he does with our our salvation, right? He mm. takes our old and throws it away, and a new life. Oh, that's and uh, so yeah. it's just it's just such an awesome illustration of that. Yeah, that's that's a really neat illustration because that's exactly what he does. He doesn't fix up the old. He he gives us you know the the old man is dead. He gives us a new life, and uh, and that's yeah that's exactly what we, what you're describing. That's that's really neat. Um, so. So how how were you guys through this whole thing? How did the Lord work in your hearts with this? Well, you know, that week that we were waiting for the MRI, it was, I mean, like I referenced before, I'm kind of a doer. I don't like to follow the whole be still thing. Okay. Yeah. But I really feel like that was a time that we needed in order to prepare for what was to come. Um I mean, I don't know really what was going through your head, Joe, but for me, it was like, 
okay, God, like I need to dig in now and I need, I need you to be with me because I don't know what's coming. And, and it's like, I can't control anything. I'm just completely at the mercy of you and trusting you that your timing is perfect. And I read a devotional that said like something along the lines of like, if I showed you everything, you couldn't even handle it. Mm. And so time, time is a gift and his timing is that gift that he slowly revealed to us what we needed as we needed it rather than just like onslaughting us with the whole thing right at the beginning. So as hard as it was, it was just like, just trust me with this. And then he provided and it's like, okay, God, we, we get it. Awesome. Let's move on to the next thing. So, um, it was invaluable and our community. I, I mean, I can't even say how awesome, um, a friend that we have who prayed with us and, and kept our eyes on Jesus because, it's so easy. You talk to one person who doesn't look through life with the same lens that you do. And it's easy to give in to fear and, and despair and, and all those things and think about all the things that, um, just aren't of Jesus. And so they were so important to us just to keep us focused and, and yeah, just with our eyes on him. Okay. Yeah. And, if I can jump in there, I was, at that time I was writing some things down and I just was reviewing them today and talking about the community. I remember um, a lot of this was we were up putting updates on Facebook and there were people that were not part of the believing community and they would say hugs or thoughts or, you know, things. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember Pam coming to me and I wrote this down and basically saying like, a, a hug or a thought or these things, they just postpone the agony. What we need is prayer. And mm-hmm. um, it was when when people prayed for us, when they wrote out prayers to us, when they prayed verbally with us, that is when we felt comforted like no other. Wow. Um, and, and when we, you know, yeah, people can hug you. They, they can tell you they're thinking about you, but that's nothing compared to praying for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing that to Jesus. Mm. Um, another thing I remember about uh, being in that situation and, and um, going through, you know, it was a time crunch. Violet's been sedated. We have to make a decision what, whether we're going through chemo or, or taking out her eye. And, uh, they didn't pressure us. They said, take the time you need to. But we also knew we had to make this decision. Um I remember calling one of Pam's friends and, and her praying with us and praying through this and just um, saying, you know, you, you have been praying, you've been seeking God out in this, so, you know, be confident in making that decision. And uh, I remember thinking too at the time, like, how, this is just an I, this is, but God sent his son to die. How can you, how can you make that decision for your child? Oh, wow. And, and just send him. Mm. Like, I had a hard enough time with just an eye to take out her eye. Mm. How can you send your son to die for somebody and mm. make that decision for them? Um, you know, that's, that was something that... that uh, that's, that's, that's really incredible. You know, I think 
I think the Bible gives us the answer to that question. And I think you guys demonstrated it too. And having, you know, to, to go forward and go ahead and make that decision. And it's John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave. Yeah. And it's, you know, a decision like that is one from love. And, you know, that's, you know, that I, re- I appreciate you, you making that point though, because we can, we can cheapen, you know, we can really cheapen God's love. Uh, you know, maybe just by, you know, thinking I deserved it. Um, you know, why wouldn't he love me? Uh, but you know, you guys both in your testimonies, you know, just telling us that, you know, you were in bad places, but God loved. And, and I think that's, that's something we need to remind people of and, and to remember that, you know, God loves us and, and his love was costly. And, um, and, and, and in a, in a way, like a lot of people don't understand, you guys kind of have a little bit of insight in that, uh, you know, to make a decision from love like that. Um, how, how's Violet doing now? Oh my goodness. She's so good. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because somebody asked me if I have like triggers about it. And I thought like, there's been so many good things that have come out of it. She understands God's love for her so mm. deeply. She's the first to say, like, you don't have to worry. God's with you. He <laughs> loves you. And, and like, she gets it. And, like, Kelly, if I could have understood a fraction of how much God loved me at her age, I just, I can't even imagine how different my life would have been. And so it's like, it's such a blessing to see how empathetic she is. And I just, I do, I know that God has so many good things in store for her and how he's going to use her story. She actually just took her prosthetic eye to kindergarten for show and tell. Really? And yeah, she, she said she, we never really pushed her about it. I mean, obviously there's some kids in her class who go to church with us. So they know that that's her story, but I mean, they're like six years old, so it's not like something that they really ask about. But yeah, she said she wanted to do it. And so, yeah, we sent it. And um, the, <laughs> it's really her intro was she had it in a little container and she told the kids, you guys might want to close your eyes because it might freak you out. <laughs> and, so, and so they all thought she had a spider in her container. And so then she had it like laid out on a little towel on the floor and I think they were all just like oh that's all it is perfect like we were expecting a cider (laughs) and you know just like they accept her and they don't see her any differently and she's just so confident in that and I mean I I know that that's not always going to be the case but I'm just again just an example of God's provision for her that it, it was a positive experience and um, that he's given her the courage. Um, and yeah, I just, I, it's, it's so neat to see how she understands who she is as wow. a daughter of, of Christ. Oh, praise the Lord. That's, that's an incredible story. Um, so how, how is, how is her health? Is she doing good? So, I mean, they, they got all the cancer, so yeah, okay. it hadn't spread anywhere. So, yeah, we've celebrated three years, like half her life. She's hmm. now been cancer free. 
And every year we have um, a unicorn eye party and we celebrate the sexual of unicorns. So everything's unicorn. Um, So yeah, we celebrate her unicorn eye and just how, how God's worked in her life. And, and she loves celebrating that. And so we're just, yeah, we're beyond blessed that she's healthy and she rides a two wheeler bike runs like you literally wouldn't know she sees 2025 which is almost perfect wow so i like i know right it's just like absolutely gobsmacking wow well thank you lord that's awesome what uh how, how would you guys uh is there anything you would have to say just to encourage parents that may be listening to this um that are going through something that's similar with with their family like you've said before, you keep your eyes on Jesus. That's uh, We could have looked at the situation. We could have looked at all of the what ifs. We can fill our minds and our lives with what ifs. Um, but the what ifs are, are not reality. Jesus is our reality. Amen. And, and uh, he will walk you through this. We don't understand what, what good is. He is the definition of good. And so we need to understand him first to understand these situations. Um, just look to him um, and and reach out. I think one thing that, that was good for us was that we did share this with our community, uh, with our church community in that. There was so many people praying and walking through us with this. I remember telling Pam, like, after we were through that kind of initial phase, I remember saying, I feel like something like this should have hurt a lot more than it did. Even though it hurt, that hurt was reduced dramatically by the church just surrounding us and praying for us. Um, It's difficult to reach out. It is very hard to just open yourself up and be vulnerable with other believers even. But if you are able to, uh, the power of that, that, that just Christ works through those people incredibly in in comfort and in walking through these things. Okay, that's great. I appreciate that. Well, is there anything that you wanted to say that I haven't given you an opportunity to? No. No, I, yeah, I think that's good. Well, guys, I I really appreciate you giving us the time and uh, being so open and sharing your stories with us and and the walk that you've had uh, to go through with Violet. And uh, just thank you for the example you've been. You've really been an encouragement. You know, I, I followed your journey on Facebook with with all of this with Violet. And, and uh, you know, the whole time, you know, you were just such an encouragement. Uh, and, 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 and just the, the confidence that one could have in Christ and uh, in, in his faithfulness in your life. So thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for taking so much time out of your evening and, uh, and, and sharing this with us. It's been good talking with you. Yeah, it was an honor. Thanks for asking us, Kelly. Yeah, thank you. It's, um, it's my privilege. Well, you guys take care and stay in touch. For sure, we'll do. All right. Thank you for listening to the His Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoyed tuning in for part two of Joe and Pam Harm's testimony and that you were encouraged by what the Lord has done in their lives. 
We are wrapping up our elementary weeks of camp tomorrow and will welcome junior high campers to the hilltop on Sunday. Please keep praying for this camp season that the campers would be open to absorbing the truth, the summer staff would remain energized and encouraged, and that we all would do everything for His glory as we head into the second half of summer. You've been listening to the His Hill Podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Joe and Pam Harms. Again, thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.